I'm super excited. It's time for episode 100 of Delivering Marketing Joy. This time I talk with marketing legend Seth Godin, and he reminds me to make a ruckus. Hey there, and welcome to a very special edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossaman, and joining me today is a marketing legend, Seth Godin. Hey, he's Kirby. The, yeah, right? He, he's the author of 18 books, have been bestsellers around the world, have been translated into 35 languages, Lynchpins, Tribes, The Dip, Purple Cow, and even my personal new favorite, <laughs> What to Do When It's Your Turn, and It's That's Always right. Your Turn. Thank, Thank you. Me. Thank you so much, Seth. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Cool. Well, I want to jump right into some questions, and I, I it's usually I ask three or four questions, Seth, and I struggled to limit it. So I, I'll I'll jump right into a few that came up into my mind. Um, you know, for a lot of people, whether they're in my industry or, as you know, I'm in the promotional products industry, but in any industry, I think. It's a challenge that people have where they feel like everybody offers a similar or a same service or product. What advice do you give to people so that they can differentiate themselves? You know, you're only a commodity if you want to be a commodity. And if you are talking about, quote, differentiating yourself, you've started from the place of, A, I define myself by my competition. How do I differentiate myself from them? And B, I'm in a commodity business. Neither of those things is true if you start from the other place, which is what does that person, just that person, need? And what can I provide that only I can provide? And if you do those two things over and over again, then you look at the world completely differently. Yeah, that is that is uh, really good advice. And I, um, it's I don't hard. Have to be careful not to jump over too fast because – your industry in particular mm-hmm. is filled with a lot of very hardworking, well-meaning people who really want to be in a commodity business. <laughs> they like the benefits of a commodity business as long as they get picked, mm-hmm. right? They want the deniability that comes with selling what everybody else sells and the safety that comes from knowing what the standards are as long as they get picked. <laughs> so if you're making a commodity and you're getting picked and you're getting paid fairly, you should ignore this. But if you're frustrated, you got to start by saying, I'm going to give up the freedom that comes with being in the pack. And I'm going to give up the security that comes from making what everybody else makes. you got to start there because otherwise you're just trying to put window dressing on the fact that deep down you'd rather be a commodity provider. Mm. Yeah, you have to look in the mirror. I think so. Yeah. So one of the things I notice about you, Seth, is you spend a lot of time doing things like this. You're being very generous with your time. And I don't mean that to blow sunshine at you, but like you do a lot of interviews, you spend a lot of time teaching, you spend a lot of time giving of your time and and your wisdom, knowledge. Why? Why do you spend time teaching others? You know, just just across the street uh, every Wednesday, the CSA uh, lets us pick up fresh fruits and vegetables. And the volunteer who runs it, runs it, right? And just down the street uh, is the public school where there are you know, five teachers who are putting in way more than they need to to keep their job. Mm-hmm. And the crossing guard who stands there every morning, rain or shine, and smiles at the kids. Why does she smile? It's not her job to smile at the kids. It's the same thing. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. How can we not? Mm-hmm. Why would we want to live in a world 
where everyone around us just takes stuff. Wouldn't we rather live in a world where everyone around us just teaches and tries to pay it forward and says, I learned this secret. Do you want to learn the secret? I, you know, I was in uh, Kenya, and one thing that fascinated me, I was working with a bunch of farmers. If you talk to the farmers in Iowa or Nebraska, they all know what everybody else is planting. They all know what everyone else's yield is. There are no secrets. Because Iowa farmers don't compete with Iowa farmers. They keep, compete with Nebraska farmers. And the better all the Iowa farmers do, the happier the community is. It was interesting because there's many great things as there are to commend the culture of the people I was hanging out with in Kenya. No one knew what anybody else was doing. That that's not how farmers in the U.S. think, but it was how farmers in that valley thought. And as a result, it was taking innovation a much longer time to spread because people didn't know what was working. Well, if I had a choice of being a farmer in that valley in Kenya and being a farmer in Iowa, I'd rather be a farmer in Iowa. Because being surrounded by people who are on the same team. You know, if you look behind me, there are a few books. <laughs> no one ever says to an author, why do you blur books? They're your competition. Yeah. Why are you recommending books? They're your competition. Authors know that books sell better in bookstores next to other books. Mm. That if we can create an environment where more people read more books, it's a good thing. My competition isn't Malcolm or Tom or Cheryl or Brene. My competition is I don't read books. Those people, they're my competition. Yeah, it's funny. The reason I ask you the question, Seth, is because I get the question, right? I, when I speak, I actually speak to other distributors in our industry. And people are always asking me, why are you helping the competition? I'm like, it helps the industry. It makes us all better. Right. Exactly. So speaking of being a mentor, I know I've heard you speak before saying Zig Ziglar was a mentor to you. Um, maybe this isn't a fair question, but what, what was like the biggest lesson he taught you? You know, I did a blog post a few years ago called Mentors and Heroes, and I strongly encourage people who are looking for a mentor to read it. Zig wasn't my mentor. Zig was my hero. Okay. And the difference is, even though he and I knew each other, and I was lucky enough to work with him on a couple occasions, he wasn't the mentor in the sense that there's a human who's spending a really scarce resource on one person. It doesn't scale, right? I've been super lucky to have actually work with my heroes. Mm. I worked with Tom Peters and I worked with Jay Levinson, but that's unusual. Mm. In our society today, it's ever easier to find heroes and to ask yourself, what would they do, mm. right? What would Sue do? What would uh, Bailey do? Because we can then process the way that they think. Um, so, you know, what did I take away from Zig? I think the thing that the most often comes to mind is his idea of go lights instead of stoplights. That as, as Ben Zander would say, and, and his wife Roz, uh, the idea of possibility, uh, you know, sometimes I'll be on an airplane and someone will say, the flight attendant said, how are you doing? I say, I'm fantastic. And she would say, really? What happened? I say, I decided three days ago I was going to be fantastic today and it worked. It's just a decision. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's what I love about Zig is he's transcended, right? I, I still listen to his uh, inspirational things. And I, that's when you talk about legacy, that's, that's an amazing legacy to have that people are listening to you years and years past your own lifetime. Um, so I wanted your thought on something. I talk a lot, Seth, uh, to my customers and to people I speak to about saying that we are currently in what I call a give first economy. 
And what I mean by that is the people, the salespeople, entrepreneurs, marketers who provide the most value up front end up winning long term. Um, do you agree with that? And if, if yes or no, and why? Uh, I think we live in a give ninth economy. <laughs> so in the sense that you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're probably never going to get. Hmm. There's probably never going to be a time where you get more than your share, where you get to charge a premium that's significant that an intelligent person uh, would look at and say that's unreasonable. Hmm. That if the goal of a give first mindset is that then a couple of sales later, my margins will be great on this commodity I sell, it doesn't hold up anymore. Right. Because the people you're selling to have bosses mm-hmm. and their bosses are saying, why? why? Why are you paying 15% more than Google shows I'm supposed to pay? That the only acceptable answer is this is the only person in the world who can do this for me. Mm-hmm. And that is not about give first. It's about I'm making a rational, thoughtful, long-term decision because there's one and only one person who can do this thing this way at this price. And you can Google all you want, but you can't get somebody else to do this this way right now like that. And so, yes, one of those factors is trust. One of those factors is convenience. One of those factors is authority. One of those factors is creativity. They all are in a bundle. But this mindset of, well, I played golf with you yesterday, so now you should pay me extra, it, I think that's old. It doesn't work. No, I think that's fair. What I, I guess and, – and no, to pay more, you're right. I, I think um, – I guess my philosophy is simply that when I do that, it does build trust, and so they have the opportunity to give me an opportunity. So, um, But yeah, I like what you're saying about if you can do something that no one else can, then you're in right. a really interesting position. Um, can I give you one final question? Go for it. I'm having a good time. Okay, cool. Um, I'm really fascinated by the new Alt-MBA program. I feel like I'm seeing that uh, in different places. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about why did you decide to do it and tell me a little bit about it? Um, The Alt-MBA is a 30-day intensive workshop. People from around the world take it virtually. Uh, We had 19 time zones represented last time. Only 100, 125 people at a time with 10 or so coaches who are in Slack or in Zoom engaging with people. There's no lectures. There's no video. There's no access to me because I'm not there. (laughs) What it is instead is a place where we teach people to level up. Uh, We challenge them to see the world differently. We teach them to make decisions. And we help them create a posture where they can speak to people and be heard and where they can get other people to accept and embrace their ideas. So... Most of what happens in the outside world is about hard skills. What's on your resume? How many words per minute can you type? Are you a full-stack developer? But almost every large or medium organization has plenty of competent people at the hard skills. What separates the extraordinary fast-growing companies and the math companies is soft skills, is what does that person bring to work in their head? What's their posture? What's it like to be with them? And so we run this, uh, the sixth session starts in August. It's by application only. Uh, it transforms people. Our alumni network of 500 people are different than they were before they got there. We don't have to push people to give us testimonials. I don't do any hard self. It's not for you. Don't take it. But I started it because 
I see the promise of online learning, but I see too many people can't push their way through it. They hit the first hard question, they hit the first speed bump, and they stop. The dropout rate is too high. So I thought if I create an environment that is the opposite of most online courses, that's expensive, real-time, engaged, with live coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we could get deep into people and help them change, and it's working. It's really thrilling. I don't think I have impacted people more deeply than anything I've ever done in this. Wow. Yeah, it's I, I've actually uh, Bruce Perryman is a person who I know, and he's he's Bruce going through it. Yeah, and uh, he spoke he speaks very highly of the program, and so I uh, I wanted to at least ask you personally about it. So it's really cool. Thanks. Well. Seth? I got a couple more minutes if you want to do one more. Do you have one ready? Because you said you always have extra questions. I always have extra questions. I do, as a matter of fact. So, um, so uh, content marketing is, is that buzzword. It's that, uh, you know, it's one of those things that everybody talks about right now. I kind of view you as one of the early content marketers. I know that maybe that wasn't what you were trying to do when you started the blog, but obviously you've developed an audience, you followed it up. Um, but one of the things I know about, that takes time. It takes time to develop an audience. It takes time to develop credibility. Um, and when I'm coaching people or talking to people, I'm not a coach, but I, when I tell people, hey, this is something you should be doing, I get a lot of, yeah, that's going to take a long time. I need to sell something now. Um, so what, <laughs> what, what advice do you have for somebody like that? Well, isn't that what got you into trouble in the first place? <laughs> right? Like. You know, the best time to, to plant an apple tree is 20 years ago. The second best time to plant it is today. Well, if you forgot to plant it 20 years ago, what are you waiting for? Because 20 years from now, you're also going to tell me you're in a hurry. And, excuse me, the worst offenders are political candidates. Yeah. Political candidates have this whole urgent mindset that they go out of business in 100 days, so might as well spam everyone, steal whatever you can, blah, blah, blah. Except if you plant the seeds and plant the seeds and plant the seeds and plant the seeds, it's not that hard, right? And the magic of what's going on online now is it's free. <laughs> if you spend five minutes a day being obsessed with going to the edges, not being a commodity provider, if you spend five minutes a day being 100% generous and expecting nothing in return, mm -hmm. if you do that every day, day in, and day out for five years, it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, send me an email. I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> well, and, and I will tell you that you are, and I, and I know I've told you this in the email, but um, you're the reason this show's still going on. Uh, you were kind enough to, to say something nice to me at one point, just to say that you'd seen it and that I, I believe what you said was keep doing it and in three years you'll be happy you did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so here we are, 100 in. So I really appreciate your support. Well, thanks for the work you're doing and for sharing so much with the people who are watching this. Thank you, Seth. And that is going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. Thank you, Seth Godin, and thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Be seeing you. Thanks for watching, but wait. Can you do me a favor? Please subscribe to my channel. If you haven't done it already, the way to do it is right over here. And hey, if you want to watch the last episode, check that out over here. Again, before you leave, subscribe.